0: plans are worthless but planning is everything general and president dwight eisenhower's wisdom still rings true today the mutual broadcasting system presents strat strategic risk assessment talk a forum with a preparedness mindset mitigating risks creating systems of prevention and recovery to deal with potential threats and understanding the objectives of a business continuity plan this is the podcast for leaders who are committed to being prepared now here are your hosts retired marine intelligence officer and globally recognized risk expert hal kempfer and investment banking executive mark mansfield
1: mark this is going to be a fascinating topic you know, we're going to talk about you know strategic supply manufacturing. And also talk about chip wars. Yes, that's right. Uh, we're going to talk about microchips and all the things going on there. But, but there's a lot of different things that we have to touch into. Bigger things. It's going to get into Belt Road Initiative issues, uh, what they've been doing there. Also talk a little bit about what's happening in Africa and how they're trying to export that to Latin America. Uh, and They being China, but also their uh, cohort in crime, so to speak, Russia and what the wagner group's doing so we have much to discuss here
2: Sure, absolutely. As we always do, I hope our
1: audience. Is, I hope we're not be, driving. Be kind of a shame to come on and then just pause for eighteen minutes and say, "Well, I hope you enjoyed that." I but hope we're yeah. not
2: driving you crazy. Um, anyway, the Happy Global Family is kind of going through a uh, what do you want to call it—a separation, divorce, whatever—turmoil. Um, turmoil. <laughs> turmoil. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. But in, in, in business lingo, it's a you know a targeted or what we call strategic decoupling. You're also hearing the word, you know, de-risking. So we talked a little bit about this in terms of manufacturing being a means of mitigation as part of your overall strategy. We've consistently enforced that securing uh, strategic uh, supply chains is critical as as is securing your distribution. And of course, you hear us go back to our, our regional fortress, North America. But everything's been accelerated since October 7th in terms of the disruption with, with the Hamas attack. Now, now the reason that I, I, I reference that specifically is that the, the pace of change and the sense of urgency is even more increased because America has now been entered and pulled into another flank. America represents over 69% of the, uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of the global defense power, and that is highly diluted right now.
1: Okay, I'm not going to say this just to make you feel good because you're, you know, former naval officer but it gets down to maritime issues as well you know we're looking at these maritime these extended maritime supply chains we're looking at the el Mendeb Strait, which uh, of course has been essentially blocked by Houthi actions in the Red Sea which blocks the Suez Canal we're looking at uh, Taiwan there's a lot of issues there but let's talk a little bit if we will about chips yeah let's talk about chips let's let's explain some of the dynamics with chips and of course the big one is that Taiwan Uh, is such a dominant chip manufacturer chip supplier to the world and of course if any action were to take place where PRC goes in to try and take over Taiwan or to blockade Taiwan we would have disruption with the chip market worldwide uh disruption that could literally set back all industries worldwide because everything or it seems like just about everything is dependent on chips
2: you know, so, so there's a number of things that we're going to cover in that area, obviously, is, is the, the concentration, which you've just, you, you, you've obviously just referenced. The other is then, of course, the race to build um, our own fab plants here in North America, again, to our, our, our fortress North America. And so, what we do want to talk about is some of the challenge challenges and the consequences, intended and unintended, that are, are emerging from this exercise. But well, let's go back to, like, very quickly, background around chips, okay, for our chip wars. Yeah, the American san- What America did in terms of sanctions, we we had, we levied those on advanced semiconductors and, and man and manufacturing equipment. So keep in mind, it's it's just it's also not just the design of the chips, but the ability to manufacture the chips. So we're going to talk about that as well. So you'll walk away with a little bit of education. I hope here. Um, what we did in 2020, we designed, we wanted to stop the tech transfer to China. We were concerned about using it for asymmetrical warfare, artificial intelligence, and the militarization of, of the chip uh, in addition to, you know, frankly, advanced, shall we be polite and just say technology transfer. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, but right now what we're seeing is the Trump administration, in a positive way, It's banned um, the, the chips uh, sale, sale of the chips. But right now, what's emerged just recently within the last couple of months that the uh they've been able china's been able to replicate a very strong chip a 5g chip even in light of this tech transfer uh, or the sanctions designed
1: to arrest the tech transfer i'm going to go out on a limb and say that china is engaged in espionage (laughs) (laughs) i was being more polite (laughs) uh hey look that's just that's what they do and of course we've talked about this in the past you know they have a national security law that says that everybody has to serve the state so to speak. so uh, a lot of these uh, you know interns and others uh, Chinese nationals working around the world they come back they don't really have a they don't have a say they have to divulge certain information which would certainly violate all the norms we consider protecting intellectual property but they have done that. And they have, and, and Hawaii, a lot of this was to stop Hawaii from having a dominant 5G position throughout the world. And they were poised. You may recall, they were about to they were about to become the prime uh, contractor for telecommunications right. in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And finally, the UK said, whoa, whoa, what are we doing? And, and certainly, I have traveled around the world in Africa, Asia, elsewhere. And you, you drive down in the capital city, and you see this massive, gleaming building and Huawei is the name of the uh uh company that owns it they have a huge presence and thus they had a huge incentive to find a way around the sanctions
2: yeah that was a huge political issue in canada as well when we uh we, we kept the uh cfo uh up in vancouver for a while so yeah that caused a few problems. <laughs> that's one way to do it okay i'll give you that sure <laughs> so hey in any event what you're referencing specifically and it's timely when you're out shopping through this hall through the whatever season you're in um what Huawei was able to do was to come up with the current 9000s chip. Okay, mm-hmm. you may see that now and then. It basically goes right up against it to the 5G to the Galaxy S20, which you know we're all used to seeing in our as, as we're out uh, shopping around. This is from SMIC. Now that that's that's the Chinese competitor, the TSMC, the group that you've you've referenced Taiwan, Taiwan. Right. That yeah. you've referenced many times in, in terms of the concentration. So that th- that's what's evolved now. Now. What is the next step? We referenced just a little bit ago about a shift in platforms. Okay, so what the other flank that uh, America is is staging is to not only put a sanction on the chip design and technology, but also on the platforms. So what, what what they've been able to do, the current S is with deep ultraviolet light, DUV, for any of you out there listening, that's that's about as much as you, you need to know. The 15, the uh, EUV, extreme ultraviolet light, that's the new level for manufacturing. It's 15X um, superior to DUV. What we're trying to do now is limit chinese access to the manufacturing meaning restraining them
1: to duv and not providing access to the euv technology although with duv the horse was kind of out of the barn if you will all right uh the sanctions are, are, are being imposed after they already had the duv technology you know they could say well we're going to end the licensing and in this it's it's i don't think it's going to stop it by any means euv is where they're doing it but i want to point out the difference of the uv and you just said it 50 times all right this is a quantum improvement in terms of uh of, of chip capability and right now there's a full court press to keep euv technology from being incorporated into uh, chinese manufacturing of chips that is where you're going to see uh you know i think that's going to be a delineator in terms of where this goes in the future now one of the things i want to mention though is i want to go back to fna Fortress North America. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. We're bringing some of these manufacturing things. These huge fabs are coming to North North America. Uh, they're you know it's taking a while. These are massive investments. You know, I I used to be uh, uh, live in Phoenix. You know, I'm familiar with the uh, massive manufacturing stuff out there. Uh, recently, I think uh, uh, what a year ago or so, they uh, they announced they're going to put it these massive fabs into the Mesa area, just south of Phoenix. This is all. Uh, amazing stuff uh arizona has a very easy investment platform if you will uh doing business in arizona they they bend over backwards to accommodate major industries they're trying to put a manufacturing there they're great one thing that arizona doesn't have and i don't want to shock you on this they don't have a lot of water (laughs) in fact there are parts of arizona that have been described as a desert i don't know if you heard this and uh and the problem with chip manufacturing is that it's a very water intensive oh, sure. sort of yeah. thing. You know, in addition to
2: water, actually this is a a very high profile point. It's just you're getting a lot of press over the last I don't know a couple of months. It's kind of interesting is that well it goes actually with the the IR, the the massive amount of investment that you're citing there aren't enough educated people to actually work in the in these factories. So now we are you know there's a race you're, you're going to see a lot of um uh efforts to create certified technicians that can actually work in these these fab uh so i mean that, that that's an opportunity right but it, it's a big gap closure for our society to come up now and say what is and actually this is a whole nother discussion you know what is relevant in terms of education i mean do we need more studies of fine italian art or should we actually <laughs> be focused on the realities of? chip design, manufacturing, and sustaining our advantage. Towards that, I recently... Nothing uh, against the Italians, I'm sorry. Anyway,
1: uh, uh, which, by the way, went with a far-right prime minister. We should mention that. (laughs) Anyway, um, but that's another podcast, so we won't get into that. But anyway, um, and that far-right prime minister has not turned out to be as bad as we thought he would. But anyway, that's another story. Anyway, uh, but uh, one of the interesting things I saw uh, recently was a thing which showed where the Taiwanese were training Japanese... um, uh japanese technicians on how to basically produce how how to do everything you know in terms of chip production and i was sitting here looking at this i'm like so taiwan is training japan on advanced manufacturing techniques and i had to do a double take it's like did something happen in the last 30 years that somebody wants to tell me i just thought that was interesting that they're looking at offshoring as they're trying to move a lot of that manufacturing out of taiwan because of how vulnerable it mm-hmm. is they're looking at moving it over to Japan. Yeah, that, and I thought that was fascinating, and that was a workforce issue. Yeah, that—that
2: that, that, you're absolutely right. Uh, and actually, that's a whole nother podcast because there's Japan is coming out of its deflationary spiral of uh, you know what 20 30 years and and actually they are a bright spot in uh, going forward. So you know we'll talk about that that's a whole another podcast that we want to want to get into. But one of the unintended consequences here and then we should get into some of the challenges with the time that we have left but I'll hand this mm-hmm. back to you in a minute. Um, is the green the annual level of greenfield investments and I'll describe that in a second by Chinese companies in America has dropped below a billion between 19 and 22. That that's that's less than even the Norway and Spain. So we're really seeing this us pivot from china and actually again we've we referenced this earlier and mexico is now representing as the largest trading partner 15.7% canada of course 15.3 that goes back to our integrated uh, north america uh, china, fortress north america china now down to about 11 percent so uh by the way the the greenfield investment definition we don't have to get weird here that's basically you know horizontal integration where you're you're largely going in other countries through subsidiaries and so forth to make make investments and then build up infrastructure that way which china is actually trying to do aggressively in in our southern flank mexico
1: well it's it's horizontal integration it's it's kind of if you will it's the baseline of belt and road Yeah, of course. Uh, Which China does, which is, you know, they build build railroads, they build port facilities, they build roads, they build everything. And basically, and then, of course, they either own it directly or control it through debt, uh, where they basically have leveraged, that country has leveraged itself so the Chinese essentially control it. Uh, That's kind of what they do. In fact, I was just over in East Africa, you know, a few months ago. And i've it's a place i've been uh, you know uh before and it's interesting that uh they're 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 if you will that's a technical term by the way um uh, railroad system which is very impressive uh is actually run by by chinese managers uh they hire a lot of locals to actually do a lot of the work but the chinese management runs the whole thing so it's not just the debt load it's actually the running the the critical infrastructure in those countries which is which is really kind of fascinating but i just want to say one thing about mexico hey i know there's a lot of focus on the cartels you know there's been a move in congress to try and name the cartels as terrorist groups uh there have been a few that have talked about you know we need to go do military action against the cartels i'm really opposed to doing military action against against uh large groups large militarized groups in countries where the government doesn't want us there that's that can lead to that that thing that sounds like w-a-r all right (laughs) and i don't want to you know uh and, and and poncho Villa's head just popped up in his in his grave when he heard that but anyway um but uh but the interesting thing is the potential of mexico and i want to point out with fortress north america there are central american countries that have phenomenal potential in terms of manufacturing what could be done you know uh there's a workforce down there that has been tapped but but could be tapped much further they can get right into this thing and it's about shortening those supply chains and uh, you know lines lines of communication if you will the supply chain to make sure that we have a ready resilient uh source for what we need to keep our manufacturing base going,
2: uh, absolutely. So, so uh, we're moving quickly here. We just have a few minutes, but you know, always being optimistic. There's a beautiful picture here in Fortress North America. We've got, you know, we're, we're we've got a quietly that's been going on for the last few years. We've built a very efficient railroad system horizontally and vertically through, through North America, Canada, the United States, obviously, and then with spurs right down into the manufacturing heart of, of the Maquiladoras mm-hmm. in Mexico. It's beautiful. It, it facilitates, you know, ac- extraction, manufacturing, and distribution. And we we, and, and under our control, not through all the choke points you reference. you know, we can't do everything at once, but we, we, we can do it. Um, there's a couple of challenges I'm going to just touch on. One other thing to bring up, you know, the recharacterization of all of these projects we're talking about, we talked about chips. we're talking about a lot of things, railroads, you name it, but it's, it's all driven by massive scale, okay? And so that, that, that is going to take time. Um, we are shifting to friendly, friendlier Asian countries. You know, we thought the cut and paste into India was going to be a lot easier for supply and manufacturing and so forth. But there's been some challenges, let's just say, you know, whether it's culturally or there's a, you know, the bureaucratic overhang in some in some areas. And one other thing in this closing comments here for our friends to to think about, there's going to be, what you'll see in 24 is this global minimum tax coming in. Okay, so that's going to be impactful in terms of, uh, transfer pricing, um, how people source and shift their supply chains. So th- this was uh, 130 com- countries, I should say, agreed to this in 21. But now it's in 24 that uh, that they're, they're really set to execute. Okay, so we're gonna, this is going to have an impact as to where your things are manufactured, where you elect to ship, because there's a very sophisticated series of transfer pricing, which we'll address in, a, in, in another discussion. But right now, we're trying to get a 15% global minimum tax on large corporations. Most of these corporations are American. We're in American election cycle coming up, and this is easy fodder for some of our, our political friends. So we don't know what 24 is going to look like in terms of global minimum tax. I just wanted to address up because it impacts our supply chains and manufacturing decisions.
1: I think it's going to change the way we do business internationally, globally, if you Absolutely. will. I yeah. think it's going to change the way that, that companies have to look at this. By the way, if I may say one thing, uh-huh. this goes back to planning and strategy, all right? <laughs> And by the way, if you're a company that has all the incumbent knowledge and expertise in order to kind of wind your way through all the political, financial, economic supply chain to include a small complement of folks that do warfighting stuff, uh, by golly, go for it. But I would say uh, if not, you need to bring in some experts to help you work through some of these issues. You know when you're looking at uh whether you want to call it uh de-risking or whatever you're doing with supply chain when you're looking at uh where do i want to invest where do i want to set up manufacturing um uh, not to get into other podcast material but talking about murders acquisition issues all that stuff um it really it really pays uh and and huge dividends to do your homework so to speak to do that tough rigorous road testing of different courses of action different options different ideas and and do it in a way that you're not caught up in the internal politics of the organization that you're able to bring in that sort of more objective assessment process into this so i would say when you're looking at the chip wars the fallout of the chip wars you're looking at the belt road thing whether the belt road thing may fall apart all of this has uh macro implications that have to be assessed and understood by any company that's doing business, whether they're doing business overseas or whether their business is dependent on a supply chain that goes yeah. around the world.
2: Yeah, you have to You actually, you have to look at, you know, ironically, uh, you have to look at the ancients, uh, you know, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, um, and take a very stoic perspective to this. If things are out of your control. Just, you know, adapt and keep marching. All right, Mark, Thanks, great
1: man. discussion. We we will be talking about more things in the future and. I think I just indirectly kind of uh, promoted a uh, another podcast topic we'll be talking about at some point in the future. So there you go. All Thank right. you very much. STRAT, Strategic
0: Risk Assessment Talk with Hal Kemper and Mark Mansfield. Podcast Weekly
1: from the Mutual Broadcasting System.